This is an exclusive audio-only episode of the podcast series The Art of Collecting Wristwatches by Ace Jewelers. In this series, we interview wristwatch collectors all over the world. We want to know what makes them tick. Tvan, good afternoon. Good afternoon. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. How are you? I'm very well. I'm very excited that you have accepted my invitation to come on our podcast show because for the Dutch watch collectors, you, Schorsch and Frederik, are known as Mannen van de Tijd. It doesn't translate that <laughs> neatly into English, but we call you the men of time. Yes. Um, I... I Dare to say that you guys have the number one Dutch-speaking podcast series about watches. Is that correct? Well, I do not have the statistics, but we certainly have the first uh, Dutch-spoken uh, watch podcast. Um, so, yeah, thank you. But uh, first of all, thanks for having me because um, it, is, uh, it is an honor for me to, uh, to be uh, a guest on this podcast. Thank you so much. So I said that I'm honored to, to have you because you actually invited me to be a guest on your show that's been running for three years. Yeah. I think you're nearing 70 episodes already. Yep, true. Um, a lot of uh, watch banter, as we say in English. Um, so some watch geeks uh, fooling around uh, on a mic, uh, around the mic, actually, if I may say so. And um, uh, actually, I've been listening to an episode last night, which was my colleague Ruben on the show. So that was... Uh, Funny because that was a nice surprise. Yeah, I obviously subscribed to your uh, podcast series. <laughs> um, we try to keep this episode at thirty minutes. I have a lot of questions for you, so before we dive in, for all the listeners, make sure to check out um, Twan's podcast series in Dutch. Is Mannen van de Tijd? I'm saying it in Dutch because it's only Dutch spoken. So for our international listeners. Sorry, but if you want to check out what they do, the link to their website is in the description of this episode. So, Twan, first question. How did you get into watches? Yeah, that's um, that's an important question, but it's uh, more of a coincidence, I guess. Because um, I do not exactly know when it happened, but uh, around my first... Um, uh, when I got my first uh, degree, I um, it was on the I didn't don't know I think it was in 2013 or 2014. Mm -hmm. I uh, got a watch as a present from my uh, parents, mm -hmm. and um, it was pretty. It was a pretty random gift, but um, they gave me a, a, a second generation uh, Psycho Monster. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't know why they did it, but um, I think I just uh, mentioned it in a conversation with them and um, they remembered it and they gave it to me. And as from that moment, I was uh, pretty intrigued by watches. And um, well, uh, that, uh, that went on and on. And um, my first, the, the first... Um, I think more expensive watch I bought was the um, uh, Omega Seamaster uh, 300, the Pierce yeah. Brosnan uh, nice. version. 
Yeah, so um, you have the 300 diver professional. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, and with th- those two watches, I think my um, my watch hobby was uh, officially um, afloat. Amazing. So about eight nine years ago, you started tumbling down the rabbit hole yeah. of watchmaking. Yeah. We could say. Yeah, fortunately. Yeah, fortunately. <laughs> yeah. So what is it that? So the cycle triggered it, and what is it that still today, eight, nine years down the line, attracts you to watches and so much that you guys have been putting a lot of efforts for three years already into making a professional podcast? Because this podcast series is done by an amateur. Me, out of passion, no editing. <laughs> what you hear is what you get. Yeah. But you guys actually elevate your game. You're in a studio. Um so what is it that attracts you? Well, thank you. Um, <clears throat> we try to be as um, uh, professional as we can be, but still we're amateurs too, um, uh, podcast-wise. Um, our podcast is produced by Frederik. He's uh, from Podcast Guru. Um, so he's the one that uh, professionalizes our podcast. But uh, to go back to your question, um, I don't know. It's um, uh, Watches uh, do give me a certain feeling that... Um, Nothing else um, materialistic does. I, I don't know how to put it, but it's the only uh, piece of jewelry I think a man can wear, aside from maybe mm-hmm. a wedding ring. And um, it is the only thing I, I wear aside from my clothes. So it's a, it's a special thing to me. I, I never, there is no day that goes by without wearing a watch. And um, I think that it's, most of my um, most of my interests come from the fact that it's such a small mechanical piece of artwork where it, uh, uh, to be worn on your wrist, and I think that is uh, one of the most um, uh, that's one of the main reasons why I think uh, watches are uh, that interesting. Interesting, and what is it specifically that makes you tick? about a watch is it the design a history the movement a particular complication uh, style or narrative well i think uh, that depends because um, that depends on the kind of watch um, i wear because as i mentioned the seamaster professional um, mm-hmm. it was it's, for me it's just a cool watch and um, it's actually a quartz watch so the whole part of being a mechanical piece of artwork doesn't really apply to that watch but um, mm. um, I really I really like the watch I really like the style I really like the movies and uh, um, the uh, memories it brings back um, but uh, on the other hand uh, I do have a Cartier watch and Cartier is also not really um, a uh, house of um, that you can associate with uh, watches in the first place, uh, but still that's it's more of a fashion or more of a um, I don't know how to put it, but more of a jewelry house, and that's what yeah. um, makes it special too. So. Um, what, and what Cartier do you have? Did you go Santos route or the tank route? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I wanted to go the tank route, but then uh, yeah. the solo got discontinued and the new yeah. uh, Musde uh, isn't really my style. Um, yeah. So uh, I bought a, a Santos Galbe, 
yeah. and um, it's uh, 2319, so it's a watch uh, from 2002. Yeah, and uh, I bought it from uh, Han, Han Da Vinci. You might as well uh, know him, but um, I actually don't. I don't think I know him. Uh, doesn't matter. But um, um, uh, I bought it, and um, I really like it because that's that's really a, a fashion statement. It's yeah. Um, you could easily wear the watch without the watch because the bracelet is uh, is beautiful uh, on itself. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. And you've you've already talked about three pieces, and then they're they're actually in a good sense all over the place. Yeah. Do you have a particular focus when collecting watches? Is it a theme? Do you just do new? Do you do vintage or both? Uh, well, as you as you might have heard, I I, I do both. Um, I I have had several new watches. Um, I really uh, try to buy the watches that I enjoy. So mm-hmm. um, um, on all uh, parts of the, the the watch collecting scene. So I think um, I want to have at least one diver, but I have several. Mm-hmm. I want to have mm-hmm. at least uh, one classic, one uh, dress watch. Um, mm-hmm. So I want to have a... Um, a really broad perspective on uh, on all the watches, and um, the only thing I miss now is um, a decent, a reliable, and a renowned um, a chronograph. Mm-hmm. So you don't have any chronographs right now in your collection? Yeah, no, not anymore. No, in- anymore. Okay, that's interesting. Okay, well, maybe circle back to that. <laughs> and if we zoom in on your collection, would you like to share? some watches in your collection and tell us why you got them and why you'll never let go of them. Cause you just indicated that some watches has been let go. Yeah. So are there particular watches in your collection that will never go? And if so, why? Um, <clears throat> I think, I think the um, graduation gift most probably. Uh, yes, the the graduation <laughs> gift uh, certainly will stay in my collection, although that uh, wasn't that certain uh, uh, before. But no, that one stays, and I think my uh, SMP three hundred will stay uh, as well. Um, mm. But I really try to follow my gut feeling on buying, but on selling too. So mm-hmm. um, when I uh, do not wear a watch as often as I think I have to wear it, then uh, yeah. I'm easy uh, to to sell it as well. So Interesting. So may I just interject here quickly? Yeah. Because you guys have been, uh, you, you guys often speak about that, I believe. How mm-hmm. much risk time does a watch get? Mm-hmm. Um, so what is your benchmark of too little or too or or enough risk time that 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 it's so it becomes eligible to be <laughs> let go of yeah well i do not have certain kpis on that so <laughs> <laughs> I, I do not think that it's really objective but um if it stays too long um uh, in hidden in the vault or hidden in my uh, closet then it's just it has to go so uh, I think too long is maybe um, uh, if I do not wear a watch for more than a month, then I think that is enough. It says enough. Yeah. I have to. Okay. I have to enjoy watches. So that's why I, re- um, yeah. I bought a I bought a new Oyster Perpetual, 
Um, the one one six zero zero, I guess the reference number is. Mm-hmm. Um, it's with um, uh, three six and nine Arabic uh, numerals. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a blue dial, really nice, but um, it was too pristine. I couldn't wear it. It was just, um, it looked like an an absolute scratch magnet, and I was too afraid to. <laughs> to um, harm that one so um, although I really enjoy the watch and although I really uh, like the watch um, on itself I didn't wear it as often as I wanted to so that for me is enough to to sell it I understand okay but sorry I I, I threw you off we're <laughs> now focusing on what should let go although the question was what you wouldn't let go yeah, of. yeah. Um, so what I'm trying to say is n- nothing is sacred in my uh, in my uh, um, hobby, but um, I think that um, the 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 second generation monster, uh, my SMP 300, and um, uh, maybe the watch I'm wearing today, it's my uh, Rolex Air King uh, one uh, reference one one four. Uh, two zero zero. So it's a small uh, version, thirty four millimeters, in um, mm-hmm. produced in two thousand and nine. Mm-hmm. And um, I bought this watch more or less around the time that uh, um, my girlfriend gave birth to our first uh, daughter. So um, yeah, amazing. <clears throat> uh, and th- and that was it, it. Was really crazy because I saw the watch with a different uh, dial uh, configuration, and. Um, Luckily, I have some contacts uh, within the uh, the watch scene. So, I um, I have spoken to uh, Mark from uh, Tom, uh, Tempus, and uh, he had the uh, period correct uh, uh, white uh, dial for this um, uh, reference number, and um, so I uh, dial swapped it, and uh, now I'm wearing it with the uh, white dial and also the three, six, and nine in Arabic numerals. So, and I think this is currently my favorite watch and really my go-to watch. And I think for that reason, and of course, for the reason of the birth of my daughter, I think this is the yeah. one I wouldn't let go. Um, uh. So in Dutch, we say uh, inkopertje. <laughs> and easy to, to goal to make in questioning. Mm-hmm. Is this her watch? <laughs> yeah, well, uh, it's, it's a great question because it was actually... Um, for me, I had to buy a, a more or less of a, a unisex watch uh, mm-hmm. because I wanted a watch that um, we didn't know uh, whether we would um, get a boy or a girl. So um, mm-hmm. I bought a watch. This is 34 millimeters that, um, well, could be worn by uh, either. So yeah. um, I have a rather uh, small wrist size, uh, 17.5 uh, centimeters. So um it, I think it's uh, it fits perfectly on my wrist, and I hope it will uh, will uh, fit on hers too. Amazing! So the question, the answer is yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And do you have more children? No, no, not yet, not yet. <laughs> I don't know. Time will tell. Not yet. Time will tell. I hope your girlfriend is listening. <laughs> yeah, maybe she will. <laughs> um, thank you for sharing. That's amazing. Um, what is your Grail watch? Or do you even have one? And if so, in this evolution of this podcast series, 
everyone has a different definition of a Grail watch. Yeah. I think that um, to... Um, I think it's hard to define the, the term Grail watch because I really try to um, incorporate my gut feeling and all the things I do regarding buying and selling watches. So I, I think I have several more or less Grail watches um, because I think there are a lot of watches that are absolutely um, incredible how they're made and what their significance is in, in, in the watch world. But um, I don't know if I really want to own all of these watches, if you know what mm-hmm. I mean. So, mm-hmm. um, and because I really want to wear everything I uh, own, I don't think that is even possible because um, I couldn't see myself wearing a watch of uh, 150 grand, for example. Mm-hmm. So, um, but if you daydream, if you daydream, and I can split it up to you. Obtainable Grail watch, so one that you're saving up to, or I, I said to myself, when I reach, if I pass 40, I want that particular watch, and I did that. So that was an obtainable Grail watch for me. And then you obviously have the unobtainable ones. Mm-hmm. If you had to split the two, mm-hmm. are you saving up to one that you're saying, okay, I'm working towards that one that's obtainable? Is that something you want to share? Well, first of all, what watch did, did you buy when you... Uh, what, what, was, what was your obtainable grill watch? I will tell you when I'm a guest on your podcast because you invited me on yours. <laughs> and this podcast is definitely not about me. So I'm really trying to, to shut up and listen to you. <laughs> okay. So we'll rain check on that. Okay, okay. I will keep that in mind. And we'll force people to listen to your podcast series now. Yeah, yeah. That's a great one. Um. So, wow. Um. <clears throat> uh, first of all, my unobtainable grail, unobtainable grail watch. I think that is uh, uh, the Patek Philippe um, uh, Nautilus Reference Thirty Eight Hundred. So that's a that's small. The chron- that's the Chrono, the annual calendar. I always get confused. No, no, that's a, that's a really the small version. That's a, a really a small. Oh, Thirty Eight Hundred is the smaller size. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the smaller yeah. size, and I don't know why, but um, I wore it when uh, we had a. Um, when we uh, made an episode with uh, Amsterdam Vintage Watches. Yeah. And um, it really struck me. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know why, but it really had a wrist presence, uh, although being uh, that small of a size. So uh, that really stuck with me. But, well, I okay. do not have to tell you why. And in what metal? In what metal? Uh, steel. Okay. Yeah. I hoped you would say gold and gold. <laughs> yeah, and then I could call, and then I could call nickname it Twan the PIMP. <laughs> <laughs> okay, interesting. All right. Yeah, but, but well, yeah, but actually, but it has a bit of a more modern dial, doesn't it? Than the fifty-seven eleven. Yeah, it's a, so w- the bigger with brother a, with a wide dial. I'm a really yeah, sucker for, for wide dials. So interesting, because so I see a tendency for sport watches. Yeah, whereas black is the the, the mainstream. You go to the a lighter dial so let's test you explore too white or black <laughs> uh white yeah interesting yeah okay i think me too by the way yeah i, I really doubted that one uh, because uh frederick um, bought one recently and he had yeah. uh, he had the same um he had the same dilemma so he was yeah. really um doubting between the white or black uh, dial interesting well, but um, okay. to go back to your uh, initial question, the obtainable grill watch. Um, mm-hmm. 
currently um i'm my main focus is i have to say <laughs> this is a first so <laughs> uh, uh last weeks and months i'm really uh, uh um, interested by the sea dweller but mm-hmm. that one is really too big for my wrists uh, but modern or older version the older version it's uh, the mm-hmm. 16600 mm-hmm. and uh, i don't know why i don't know what it does uh, that really um uh, you're you're like my buddy robert jan broer yeah he he has one sold it and obtained it again no, he didn't. He did. No, he sold his. Yeah. I think a decade ago and he purchased it back again. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's the 6600, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I think so too. You guys, you guys, you guys are buffs on reference numbers, but I always speak in model names. Uh, okay. Okay. Yeah, I try to, I try to uh, remember all the uh, reference numbers because all of the different dial conversions and I don't know yeah. what can differ yeah. between all these. Yeah. But no, but it's good on a podcast is good because while people are listening, they can Google. So it's a good thing what you guys do on your series. Exactly. I hope, I hope yeah. to, um, to to give that to people that they can uh, visualize everything we tell yeah you guys don't record video while you record audio right no but we we are really looking into uh, ways to do that because okay. um, i think you guys uh, should do that yeah yeah i think especially because you guys have a drink you talk about bottles i want to see the bottle i want to see the watches yeah yeah exactly but we really we really uh, discussed that uh, so yeah. Maybe for in the future we have a three-year anniversary in October. Maybe after that we will um, we will get uh, back to that. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, but um, I think that is uh, that is a watch that is obtainable. I think they're um, well, they're expensive right now, but um, that is uh, <laughs> I don't have to tell you about uh, the Rolex market now. But but still, it's I don't know why, but it is a sea dweller that really really uh, interests me and it um and it still it is a sea dweller so it is a deep dive tool watch um with a rugged look um but, but still it's it's um it's wearable and uh, and, yeah. the, and the current sea uh, dwellers are uh, too big in my opinion yeah and shiny that too yeah <laughs> yeah interesting thank you for sharing that so do you already know what your next watch is going to be do you have a wish list slash wrist list and do you even have a strategy buying and collecting watches well uh, uh, as you might have noticed i really do not have a a strategy regarding Mm -hmm. buying i i do want to um like i said keep a broad perspective on all kinds and sorts of watches, all brands. Um, um, but I do not have a buying strategy uh, as in how I would uh, buy them in a chronology or something. So mm-hmm. um, it's just um, currently I'm really reviewing what I have and um, trying to think of more of it in a strategic kind of way. So, mm-hmm. um, no, I do not have a wish list. I do not have a wrist list. And um, I think that um, in the coming months, I will uh, uh, come back to you on that because I um, there are some, some new watches um, 
coming, I think. Interesting. Yeah. Do you have a favorite brand or several brands that really speak to you? Hmm. Um, the brand that speaks to me most at this time is Cartier. Mm-hmm. Um, given the fact that it's more than just a watch. And um, for me, a, a Cartier is really a watch that... Um, is is more is it's it's a it's a piece of jewelry and um, um, my girlfriend has uh, more uh, has uh, uh, two Cartiers as well. Uh, I have one, mm-hmm. and I think that is uh, because of uh, that feeling you get when you wear a Cartier. Mm-hmm. Rolex, for example, is is absolutely great too, uh, uh, but I don't know. Cartier does something else. It is mm-hmm. it's just. For example, with uh, the watch I'm wearing right now, um, the oyster bracelet is is recognizable. It's rugged. It's everybody knows the oyster bracelet. But still, when you when I'm wearing my um, uh, my Cartier uh, Santos Galbet, um, mm-hmm. I get um, a lot of compliments on that, uh, just because of the fact that it's such an present watch mm-hmm. and is that from collectors or non-watch enthusiasts both or both both interesting okay yeah. all right thank you for sharing that what percentage do you put between passion and reasoning when talking or thinking or collecting watches <laughs> um passion and uh reasoning respectively um I would say I I was really rational buying watches and I try to be really emotional and passionate about buying watches. So I think at first it was 50-50 and now it's 80 versus 20. Um mm-hmm. for uh, and and being 80% um focusing on just what I want and my gut feeling and 20% mm-hmm. on what is uh, rational and what is uh, logical. And so you you reached the Pareto effect of 80-20. Where, where did you come from? Was it 50-50 or even less emotion? Um, I think I was really rational. So I, at least 50-50 or, or um, maybe lower on the... On, but I, and what was what was the underlining of the reasoning values resale values um, or multifunctional I, watch or I don't know I, I, res, resale value has never been an issue uh, has never been uh, uh, a thing I I kept in my mind but um, um, I don't know. I was really, for example, when I bought watches, I went to on YouTube and um, tried to find out how it worked and uh, what other people said of it and uh, mm-hmm. how it was uh, listed and uh, how it was reviewed. And now I'm really trying to get back to what I like and uh, why I like it and uh, what it, 
what it is that makes me tick about that to, yeah, to, to speak yeah. in your terms. So um, I really um, want to get back to my, um, to my initial uh, gut feeling and passionate feeling about watches because I think that's the only way to uh, wear it in, um, um, in, in, in um, well, with enough fun and enough um, to enjoy it enough. Yeah. Well, although what I hear is your your decision making of a watch eligible to stay in your collection is pure emotion because if it doesn't get enough wrist time, it's bye bye. Yeah. Yeah. That's very emotional. Yeah. yeah. So interesting. Yeah. That that that's that's I that's the main reason why I want to keep it on an emotional side because that is for me the only way to um, enjoy watches because there are so many watches available. There are so many sorts, kinds of watches um, and everybody has an opinion about it. So I really want to stay close to my own opinion and to my own feeling about that because um, um, uh, when you have uh, uh, wish lists or when you have... The grass is always greener, so to say. So you can always be on the lookout for another one. But um, I really try to enjoy the watches I do have, and uh, well, occasionally switch, but uh, not too, not too fast, and not too many. Yeah, great. Final question, Ton. Do you have a final tip to someone new to the art of collecting wristwatches? <laughs> uh, stop <laughs> don't <laughs> stop before before you even start <laughs> yeah yeah it's uh yeah, like, you, like you said it it's it's absolutely um it's absolutely a rabbit hole and um mm-hmm. the whole reason why i started the podcast is because i really enjoy listening to to podcasts and um and i really enjoy watches so that was a really logical combination but um what what is it that you what is the red thread of your podcast do you guys want to share knowledge is it just fun or is it both or what was your aim or vision for that podcast my aim and my vision for the podcast was to um was really an um a selfish aim i wanted to uh, know more of watches i really wanted to know more of the people behind the watches behind the brands Mm-hmm. Um, and so the podcast was more of a means to an end to, uh, mm-hmm. to get to, uh, all those people and getting to know them and, uh, really, um, enjoy watches in, in, in a whole different way than just scrolling down Horloge forum <laughs> and, mm-hmm. uh, all the other available websites. Yeah. So, um. Uh, yeah, for me, it was really a means to an end to get um, to learn more about watches and to share uh, uh, my watch passion with with all the other guests I could find. Interesting. Yeah. And you told us how you've met Frederick and why he's part of the tri- trio yeah. of Manna van der Tijd. Um, Shores, is he an old buddy of you and you guys evolved together or did you meet him through the watch collecting hobby? Uh, well, well, uh, Schoss, uh, is actually a uh, former colleague of mine. Mm-hmm. So we worked together for several years. I think I know mm-hmm. him pretty well by now. Um, and, um, if I may say so, I think I, um, made him, uh, uh liking, uh, watches because he wasn't really into watches, but, uh, uh when I, 
um, I saw him a lot uh, back then, and uh, I always wore my uh, my S and P three hundred, and he was really impressed by the watch. And mm-hmm. um, uh, I think uh, from that time, so maybe four years ago, maybe four and a half, um, uh, from that time he was into watches too. So um, I really, um, <laughs> I really helped him <laughs> getting uh, addicted to watches. Cool. Yeah. Very cool. Ton, thank you so much for sitting down with me and for sharing your journey. I really enjoyed the talk. Thank you to all our listeners for tuning in again. And don't forget to subscribe when we uh, share new episodes. Ton, thank you. Thank you for having me. I hope to see you soon in your studio. Yes, yes. (laughs) Have a great day. Yeah, you too. Thank you. Ciao, ciao, ciao. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Art of Collecting Wristwatches by Ace Jewelers. This is the end of the podcast. Um, If you want to listen to more episodes, go to anchor.fm slash acejewelers. And don't forget to rate our series with five stars. Thank you and have a good one.